G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. A kingdom of God focus on what it takes for friends to build something good together. Our special guest today has been holding on to the reins of a movement that has flourished and has a global reach now with headquarters on six continents. The movement is called PACE, P-A-I-S, a kingdom-centric, discipleship-led, template-driven organization mobilizing young people. And while some of us like to dream about making a difference in the world, our dreams can very easily fade unless we acquire the skills to overcome some of the obstacles. And one of the biggest obstacles, one of the biggest challenges, is in working together with others to empower our mission. Paul Clayton Gibbs has been building teams for 30 years. And he says something significant. He says, Jesus didn't come just to rescue you. He came to recruit you. And if you are to form those kingdom partnerships in schools or community organizations, businesses and churches, there's some essential skills required. Paul Clayton Gibbs is also author of numerous books, including his latest, which is called The Shapes Test. And in it, he addresses three important questions. Why can't we all just get along? Why do people behave the way they do? And why don't people understand me? We'll talk through some of these things. Lots to our special guest today. And Paul Clayton Gibbs, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you so much. It's uh, very exciting to be here. Paul, let's start just talking about the PACE movement. I mentioned you've got bases now on six continents. People will be able to hear your Manchester accent. Yeah. Uh, but you've actually flown from the US where you're based these days. So give us some insights into just how things have been going. Well, um, very well. Generally speaking, we uh, founded Pays in 1992 in uh, Manchester, where it grew um, all across the UK and then eventually into different parts of the world. And um, yeah, about 20 years ago, we were asked if we would move to Texas to help a large, I guess what you would call a mega church. Uh, kind of repurpose and become more engaging with its community. So 20 years ago, we went for two to three years and we've been there ever since. So insights that you might bring into a mega church context in Dallas, Texas, in the United States. Uh, this is a wonderful opportunity for us today to be able to glean some things, taking the sorts of principles you talk about, bringing them into what for many is a smaller context. Mm. Do the sort of principles you talk about work just as well in big cities and big churches as they do in small country town contexts? Yeah, so I, I believe that the more you make what you do like Jesus it works everywhere that's what it seems to me so it's not particularly an American thing or an English thing we'd like to think it's a, a Jesus thing it's something that's built around the context of what Jesus was thinking and feeling particularly in areas of discipleship working with other people etc and his understanding of the kingdom so it works everywhere it seems to us you know from Islamabad to Ireland where we have teams 
Now, tell us about PAIS, P-A-I-S. Some might be thinking, what does that mean? I'm not so familiar with that terminology. And the fact that you're sending people to Australia, Mm. but people from Australia can be sent to other nations too. Give us some some insight here. Yeah, well, we offer a free gap year, a mission year, or longer. Um, So tuition, accommodation, training, um, all is included. And we have people coming from different parts of the world to Australia to give a year of their life to serve God. And in that time to be discipled, to learn how to disciple, to learn how to lead Bible studies, to learn how to communicate the gospel. And we also have a great opportunity for Australians to leave or stay in Australia. They can go uh, and work with uh, the teams in this area, but they can also go overseas to America, Africa, Europe, all sorts of different places. Uh, The name... uh, Started in 1992 when my wife and I were working in schools. We worked with a, a local fraternity of pastors and they were all very excited about what we were doing. And I remember one day them saying to me, oh, what Paul's doing in schools is wonderful. And I thought, no, it's what we're doing in schools. You know, we've got to build this together. Um, so I went to my pastor and said, hey, I need a name for this. It probably lasts two or three years. Something project maybe. And he said, well, there's no name in the New Testament for teenager, so we looked it up. He said, well, the word pays means a child who serves the king, which seemed really appropriate. So we're recruiting young people to reach other young people. So that worked really well for us. Young people, a child who serves the king. Yeah. And some listeners will have picked up on one word you used as you were describing pays. Free, free gap year. Uh, how does all that work? Because, you know, that doesn't sound easy. Well, like I say, all... It's all based around what Jesus did. So in Luke 10, he sends his disciples out. Uh, We use these uh, words, spread, spot, stay, send. Spread, don't decide in advance who's going to respond. Spot those leaning forward. Stay with them and then send them to those who rejected your message in the first place. So the key part for for your question is the stay. So he says, sorry, the spot, spot them because they're the people who will open up their homes, offer hospitality. So we go to a church with a group of four or five young adults and say to the church, look, you know, we'd love to partner with you. We'll help you. We'll place our, we call them apprentices. We'll place them in your church. They'll be part of your church. They'll serve in the church. They'll help with the youth ministry in the church. But also, if you can find places to house them uh, in with families, then they'll work in local schools as well. And we, we have a school charter. We work with local schools. And so essentially, we, we don't own a building anywhere in the world. We've had thousands of people on pays. All of them have been hosted by Christian families. Um, and so it's free to us. We Obviously, I raise money as a missions organization as well. And really, we're recruiting hosts. We're recruiting young adults to come on this. Um, schools are very open, um, particularly in some parts of the world. They're very open. And yet the church just doesn't realize the opportunity there. Somebody else has bought the building. Somebody else is paying the staff. Uh, and we can go in and serve the school by sharing our message, which is wonderful. And I know you've had young people come to Australia from uh, New Zealand, uh, from South America, from Brazil, yep. uh, from uh, different uh, contexts. And uh, this is it works the other way as well. So for those who are listening into us today thinking, well, a year-long apprenticeship, 
free tuition, all of those things that might fit with something that launches you into a mission yep. orientation, that can happen for Aussies listening to a conversation today. Is there a special age restriction? Uh, do you, you young and single and, uh, you know, all of those sorts of issues? Uh-huh. So who who fits the, the, the best mould uh, of what makes a great pace person? Well, for the basic apprenticeship, we say 18 to 30 would be the main age group. We have a lot of 20-somethings. Um, but if people are older than 30 and they want to be involved, we have other positions as well. There are other ways they can serve. But for those joining the teams that are working in youth ministry and then reaching into schools, generally speaking, they're 18 to 30. Now, Paul, I mentioned you'd written numerous books. It will take us too long to go through all of those. We might touch on some of those towards the end of our conversation. But to pick up on your latest book, it's called The Shapes Test. Yes. Uh, Give us some thoughts here about how uh, your Shapes Test book becomes very important when you're actually trying to get along with others, if you're going to try and achieve something in kingdom life. Well, perhaps I can tell you a story, if that's okay, of our first ever Pace team. We put the team together. First time I'd I'd got people, um, some of myself, a guy called Gary, Lisa, Joanne, and Uli, who was from Germany. And uh, we all got on reasonably well. Uh, I'm from the north of England. Gary is from the north of England. We kind of tease people, you know, if we like them. Um, we had a young lady called Joanne. She was from the south of England, so we thought she was quite posh. And uh, Gary would tease her, and she would kind of joke around. And we thought she understood the joke. And then one day, I get a phone call late at night from the police saying, Mr. Gibbs, um, do you know Mr. Gary Ward? I said, yeah, he works on my team, and et cetera, et cetera. Goes into schools, and we do youth and work. Thank you, Mr. Gibbs. Do you know Miss Joanne Adamson? I said, yeah, she, same thing. She works on our team. Well, Mr. Gibbs, last night, Joanne called into um, basically Britain's Most Wanted, uh, Crime Watch, it was called, and she identified Gary as the potential serial killer that we featured on the show. Could you tell us more about Gary? So it took me you know, a few minutes to kind of talk them off the cliff. They realized it wasn't a problem. The next day, I went in and said, Joanne, did you really believe that Gary was the serial killer? I mean, he's not at the time we've been really busy. Do you really think he would be the serial killer? <laughs> to which she replied, not really, but you have to go with your gut instinct, don't you? Um, and, and I think that is one of the problems is that sometimes we go with our gut instincts. And if you look at the science, our gut instinct is not as good as we think it's going to be. And um, so for me, I realized pretty early on, that if we're going to build something for the kingdom, we're getting people who are male, female, young and old from different parts of the world with different personalities. We need a way of helping us work together. And so the Shapes Test is about understanding yourself, understanding others and making yourself understood. And we've been using it now really successfully for several years. And then during the pandemic, when we were supposed to be um, creating a film about pays, that opportunity went away, and, and so eventually I wrote the book, The Shapes Test, and we set up the website, etc. So for the record, we can uh, we can say Gary is not a serial killer. No, and, and he's uh, now living in Perth. <laughs> I don't know what that tells you, but... Okay, <laughs> if he was a serial killer, they might not have let him into Australia. Exactly. Hey, uh, he might be listening today. A good morning to Gary. Hey, let's talk about your book, because The Shapes Test, and you've illustrated beautifully that... Not everyone will get along. Uh, People react differently towards different personalities. Uh, Some people say the wrong thing at the wrong time. 
things make us abrasive towards one another. Uh, you've come across something pretty special in your shapes test uh, that helps people who are uh, who are different to actually get along. So I imagine you're finding common ground if you understand a shape that someone else is that you are not. Uh, describe for us how the shapes test works. Okay, so first of all, how it works is you go online, the test is free, it takes between two to three minutes to take, there's seven questions with multi-choice answers, um, so you can go to theshapestest.com, theshapestest.com, um, and then you discover your shape. Um, so there's a um, square, my wife's a square, I'm a triangle, our eldest son is a star and our youngest son is a circle, and they're the four basic um, personality types. So way back um, many, many years ago, um, it was discovered there are four basic um, personality types. I can go into details if you're interested. But basically, we wanted something that was really simple and memorable. And I think one of the key problems we have is quite often we misinterpret a personality trait for a character trait. And those things are different. People don't realize. So character and personality are very different. Personality is amoral. So it doesn't make you a good person or a bad person if you're a loud person or a quiet person a shy person you like to laugh or you're quite serious doesn't make you good or bad it's your personality character of course is is moral so if you're faithful unfaithful honest dishonest i think what happens and what i've discovered over 30 years of putting teams together is if you help people realize actually this isn't a character issue it's not that that person doesn't like you necessarily can be of course but actually, it's more about personality. It's the different way we communicate and see things. And you give them four shapes in which to understand people. It really, I'm not saying, you know, you bring utopia, um, but you you get rid of a lot of potential problems. Um, and you're not, we're not dealing with some of the problems that we often see in society amongst teams as much because of this. Well, I know it would be quite a complex thing to uh, to talk about how all this happens, but from what I understand, uh, you have something unique about your shapes test, or at least how you're interpreting that, because you're helping people to discover a common language. And so even if you are different to the people that you will call your friends, that you are working with, that you think you might like to build something with, getting a common language is important. Totally, yes. Yeah. So, it's, you know, you're planning together, you're working together, someone says something, and in the past where you might be a bit upset or they're not on my side, now you realise, oh, that they're just being a circle or they're just being, that's such a triangle thing to say. And it kind of depersonalises it, in, which is a kind of ironic almost. It, it takes away that, Hurt, potential hurt or anxiety I guess and so all our teams know their shape and they know the shape of the other people on the team and it just helps uh, a great deal and it's very simple we, we in the past would use other personality tests but they were often quite complex somebody would say I'm a whatever it was and you'd be like that's great can you just remind me what that means in this way it's really simple the minute someone says to me I'm a square I know some of the things that are going to stress them out. I know some of the things they're going to need if we're going to plan something together. Uh, I know what's going to motivate them. Generally speaking, what's going to demotivate them. So there's kind of base foundation of things I'm going to know about that person. doesn't mean I know them yet, but, but it's sped up the ability to get to know them as well. Uh, lots of listeners might well have done some sorts of personality tests, yeah. uh, whether it's with their work situation or it could be in their local church and they might have 
uh, come across uh, some of those four different personality types. Uh, we probably do need to take a few moments here for people who are not so familiar with that, uh, a brief overview of what uh, you're talking shapes. Uh, sometimes other people use animals and uh, yeah. there's all sorts of, you can get really technical with the yeah. scientific terminology too, but uh, give us an idea, you know, what a circle, what a triangle, what a square, what, 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 do, they, what do they do and how are they different? Okay, so a square, a square would be quite a responsible person. They would be very logical minded. Uh, they're the kind of people that are wonderful in a team. I often say you can't build anything without a square in your corner. Uh, they tend to have a strong sense of responsibility. Um, they like time and they like to process and they're detailed orientated. Um, a circle is more intuitive. So a circle would be someone who can maybe read the emotions in a room. They're very much a people person. They don't tend to have lots and lots and lots of friends, as you would imagine. They tend to go deep with a, a few people. And they would be very much a person before a program. So if you're planning something, that's important to know. Um, a star would bring, they, they like to take risks. Uh, stars uh, are very adaptable. They're very flexible. Uh, they can get people going. They like to have fun. doesn't necessarily mean they're funny, but they like to have fun. They like to inject a sense of competition into things. And then a triangle, which I am, uh, a triangle is more um, strategic, more of a theorist, uh, more of the mad professor type, you could say. And uh, we like to make sure things are working. We want to make sure that there's, you know, there's some kind of theory. We understand the principle behind what we're doing. Hopefully that helps. Hey, Paul, before we go any further, let me ask you about kingdom-centric thinking. Because when we talk kingdom, we're talking the kingdom of God. Uh, sometimes that's a that's a shock for some people to think that, oh, I'm a Christian uh, Christ is my king. Uh, I'm in a kingdom, uh, not a fairy tale kingdom, but a real kingdom. Yeah. And uh, and sometimes kingdom centric thinking can be beyond uh, some of us. What are your thoughts about thinking like a kingdom person? I have many thoughts on this. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I noticed many years ago, traveling to conferences and teaching in Bible colleges, even as well as churches, is you would ask people, "What is a, you know, what is the church?" And everybody could respond and say things like, well, it's not the building, it's the people, quite right. But when you say to a lot of Christians, what is the kingdom of God? Actually, what is it? People struggle a little bit. Uh, is it the place you go to when you die? Is it the church? So we unpack that. It's the rule, uh, the royalty, the realm of God, uh, where Lord, where Jesus becomes Lord. God becomes Lord of your life. The kingdom appears. The kingdom's here. The kingdom's coming. All, all these things, because it's not a place. It's a a state, if you like. Um, and I believe there are essentially two types of Christianity. This is where the kingdom-centric thing comes from. So I believe this is what Jesus was addressing primarily in most of his parables and his teachings, certainly on the Sermon on the Mount. So my phrasing is you have Christian-centric, which is I pursue my vision, I do it God's way, so that God will give me what I want. And so righteousness is, I want, don't want to do the wrong thing, I want to do the right thing because God will bless my life. To be kingdom-centric is to seek first his kingdom, do it God's way, so we give him what he wants. So it's a different kind of gospel. It's not the gospel Jesus came to rescue you, it's the gospel Jesus came to recruit you to get involved in what he's doing to bring, bring about his kingdom on earth. And yes, we pursue righteousness, not simply to be blessed, but to be anointed. So anointing means that what we do for him is not necessarily easier, but it's more effective. 
So I want to be righteous. I want to be righted with God. I want to be aligned with his purposes. Um, so my prayers will be more effective. And so as I work with other people, uh, what we do together is giving him something which is the kingdom of heaven on earth. I know that'll be complicated for some, and yet I hope uh, listeners have caught something that's profound in that because uh, to be Christian-centric, as you say, and uh, we'll often be thinking about what it is to be Christ-like, to have our identity in Christ. Yes. And that can have its effects uh, as it permeates through all of the things of our own lives and of our own pursuits. But what you're bringing in here when you talk about a kingdom is a different dimension that some seem to capture quickly. Mm. Others, it takes a little bit of time. But to be pursuing not only having this identity in Christ, but understanding his mission. So what you're saying, I think, here is that this alignment with his mission is what makes you that kingdom-centric person. Yeah. It comes down to personality and talents and gifts, these things that we have. You know, if you're Christian-centric, then we pursue our ministry. That's what's important to us. If we're a church leader, our church becomes the number one priority, for instance. If we're kingdom-centric... Uh, rather than pursuing our ministry, or I should say prioritizing our ministry, we prioritize his kingdom. So for a church leader, whatever advances the kingdom is more important than whatever advances my church, because those two things aren't always the same thing. They can be, but they're not always the same thing. I had many years ago when I was serving in a church, I had what I would call a kingdom-centric pastor who paid me as the youth worker to help another church because I had a great opportunity. So for a whole year, he paid my salary or the church paid my salary while I primarily served the other church's outreach because they had a better opportunity than we did to reach the lost at that time. I won't go into the details, but it was incredible. Um, And he was absolutely, he loved his church. He was growing a church, but for him, getting people into the kingdom was the priority. And um, and for us, you know, we have to ask the question when we think about our ministry gifts or our personality, what are we prioritise and we're prioritising that over his mission or vice versa. So in a community, uh, I'm rowing my boat, you're rowing yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kingdom mentality is uh, let me help you row your boat and let's row this thing together. So you're working together and, and no doubt there'll be some churches in some communities that will recognise that Uh, There are some kingdom-oriented leaders who say, as churches, we work together to reach and to influence our whole community. And some will know that there are some churches that are just doing their own thing and, uh, you know, jealously protecting their own patch. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's how Pay started in the UK. There were groups of small churches in very difficult areas who banded together and we gave a Pay's team to all the churches together. So in in the west of Manchester, for instance, um, each of the four team members were based in four different churches and they helped their own individual youth programs individually. But they banded together and and they they created a youth ministry for the west of Manchester, which reached a lot of young people, actually. In fact, I was there a few years ago with a church that was thriving. And when I spoke to the, it was an Anglican church, I spoke to the vicar, he said, you know, he said, there was a period in our church life when it looked like it would close but because of that youth ministry it it gave it an injection of life and now it's flourishing so that was this blessing that comes to those who you know are united and in unity for his mission more than just their ministry i would say 
The idea of being united, uh, you know, united we stand, divided we fall. And there's a sense, isn't there? And, and you've got to be uh, open to learning new techniques to be united. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it's one of those things, isn't it? Uh, the goal of leadership is actually uh, to be united with those that we might think that we're not united with and they're doing their own thing and we're doing ours. Uh, but let's talk about being united here because that takes a level of humility. Yeah, it does, yeah. And it takes um, the ability to put yourself in the place of other people. And so let's talk about leaders for, for a minute or communication, you know, for many, many, many years, when I communicated about Pay's movement and this missionary that we talked about, I would communicate it from a triangle's perspective. So uh, it strategically, it makes sense. Um, I'd explain the theory behind it and the principles that made it work so well, not realizing that three quarters of the people in the room, roughly speaking, that just wasn't connecting with them. You know, circles need stories, for instance. They need to know the human need behind it. Um, um, squares need to know... Th- how it's going to work. They need to know the responsibility behind it. Stars need to know it's going to make a difference. They need to know the practical things behind it. So I think there is a humility of thinking, well, I can't just convince people uh, because I'm right. I need to humble myself and change the way I do things in order to engage more people. And I think that's just a principle in life personally. Now, there might be some listeners who've done the test, the shape test, and uh, you'd be welcome to call us and let us know how you came out in that, whether you're a square or a circle or a star or a triangle. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316, 1-800-316-316. Let's come back to those four and how they work together because... Uh, If you are a circle, I mentioned before the news, I did the shapes test and I came out as a circle. Um, The circle, working with the triangle, working with the star, working with the square. uh, You know, we talked about finding a common language in all of that. Uh, How effective is this, Paul? Well, it's really effective. I'll go back to the first thing you said. Um, So a circle helping a triangle. So uh, I have a friend of mine who is a circle, and I describe him as um, my goggles. So I don't. I would say I don't understand people emotionally very well. I'm more of a theorist. I'm interested in the principle. I'm interested in the program. Um, what my friend did for me is a bit like, you know, you, you look from above the water into the sea, and all you see is a blur. But if you put goggles on, you suddenly see them quite clearly. And what he would do is help me understand how people were feeling, uh, understand, help me put myself in the place of the individual people. It's not like you're even saying on the on the radio show right now, you're saying maybe our, our listeners are thinking this. You know, Intuitively, you're already understanding how people are hearing this, and that helps me. So that's just, I mean, there are many, many different ways that different shapes help the different people, but that's just one classic example. If you come out as the circle or as the square, or as you say, you're a triangle, you have to intentionally, don't you, appreciate that others are going to bring different gifts to the table, different ideas, as you say, different intuitions uh, to actually moving forward together. So in your ability to make decisions and to be reliable in the way that you're going to fulfill your mission together, uh, you have to understand everybody else on the team. Yeah, absolutely. It's really, really important. And um, and that's kind of obviously the other thing I think that gets lost and I kind of just mentioned it before is you have to make yourself understood and not just presume people understand you. So knowing people's shapes helps. But in the book, we give language for 
how you can communicate who you are because it, you need to say things that seem so obvious to you. You don't think they need to be said, but they do. So you need to explain your why, and that's really important. What is your why behind what you're doing? Don't just presume that people understand it. It's really key. Um, so in the book, we, we talk about things like um, the different way that the different shapes cope with change um, or what will stress out a different shape. What will stress you out is different from what will stress me out. Um, what will motivate you is different from what will motivate you. What will demotivate you is different from what will demotivate me. So taking the time to know yourself, explain yourself and understand others is is vital, I think. When you are pursuing something with a group and it might be in business uh, it could be in a community organization it could be in your local church you might be a department leader you're going to be involved in your youth ministry or your children's ministry it could be the family's ministry in church life you set off to do these things and you relate to people perhaps who are who are calling for support and you want to be friends with those people is friendship one of the keys here in actually getting some sort of formation together to do something significant? Ultimately, friendships will be, can be tested when something goes wrong and uh, mm. when uh, you know when someone becomes abrasive or uh, there's an uh, there's a falling out. Uh, friendships, though, give us some insight here because we start off with these things all with good intentions. We want to be friends with the people we're working with. Is this sort of test? the way to keep your friendships alive even when you've struck some rocky paths? Yes. I mean, I don't know if it's always about friendship. It's about love. It's about respect. Um, one, of the, one of the strange things about church, I think, is, you know, there are churches I've been involved in where I'm thinking we probably wouldn't normally be friends. We have different interests, different ages, but there's this bigger thing that binds us, um, the love of God. And I think that's the key thing. And, I, and therefore, I totally agree with you that what the test will do is help you keep that understanding and keep that respect for each other, keep that love for each other, because you're not misinterpreting personality traits for character traits. So I think it does protect us from some of the ways the enemy will come in and bring deception, some of the ways the enemy will, um, you know, um, put more weight on something that somebody said Oh, that they don't like me. They don't, they they said that because they're thinking this, and we read things into into stuff. And I think that then the enemy would love to highlight that. So I think it protects us against those kind of things without a shadow of a doubt. No doubt, the biggest illustration of what you're talking about is with Jesus, the ultimate team leader, and his twelve disciples, mm. and they would have all had their own personality traits and uh, differences together and in a three years of Jesus leading them in ministry and helping them grow into mature disciples to be apostles uh, no doubt this is the sort of thing that uh, that people can understand very very uh, insightfully because we're all familiar with the fact that there's 12 disciples no doubt you've uh, looked at uh, those discipleship relationships as well and Jesus the team leader mm. how does that relate to uh, the squares and the circles the stars and the triangles I don't know Some, sometimes people say well, what shape do you think Jesus was and what shape was Peter <laughs> I mean the only one you could probably maybe take a good guess at would be Peter I, I would guess I don't know but I would guess that Peter was a star just based off some of the things you see, you see. Um, I don't know so again um, when, I, when, I, 
when we talk about Jesus and discipleship, we really hone in on some of the things that are key to discipleship. You can't disciple someone who doesn't want to be discipled, for instance. You have a you have to have a bigger purpose together. And I think even though the, the book, The Shapes Test, is about personality, in many ways it's actually more about the significance of our character and developing our character because you will get upset by what other people say. You will get frustrated by the way other people think. And so the really the key is actually character more than personality. Personality helps us understand the problem, but it's our character that helps us succeed. It's a bit like the law, you know, the law of God. The law um, helps us know where we're failing, but it doesn't have the power to help us succeed. We need the Holy Spirit for that. And in a similar way, our personality traits help us understand where the differences are, but it's actually the love of God that, that keeps us moving forward, I would suggest, if that makes sense. It does. No doubt the Shapes Test has real value across whatever uh, organization you are involved in. Yes. But let me just hone in here for a moment. Uh, perhaps a lot of those listening to our conversation today are a part of a local church. Uh, they might be in a small group. Yes. Uh, they might be, uh, you know, volunteering in a children's ministry, youth ministry, uh, families ministries, uh, perhaps uh, the older people in, in church life. How can they work best together? How does this shapes test and understanding our common language and having a pursuit of the kingdom of God uh, what would you do, uh, Paul, for, for listeners who are thinking, this is where I'm at right now, right. I'm just a novice, uh, what steps would I take to actually try and cement some of these really wonderful principles? Okay, so first of all, find out what shape everybody is, number one. Uh, that's going to really, really help you. Um, number two, get it. Uh, there's an overview. Of, sorry, there's an overview in the book of each shape. That's going to be really helpful to understand that. Discuss that, affirm it, say, yes, that's me. Uh, explain why that's you and the second thing is what's different about the shapes test from most things that we had that were not working as far as personality um, tests was it's very very practical i think a lot of these kind of tests are very good at helping you really delve into who you are but what we do with the shapes test is offer very practical things you can do so when you're planning together um, if someone's a square i now know what they need in the plan they need time to process uh, I can't rush things. I know what the star needs. I know what the triangle needs. I know what the circle needs. If we're in conflict, um, I can see how different shapes are going to be stressed out and I know what to say to them to help resolve some of that conflict. So it's very, very practical. It's a bit difficult to go into all of it because there's, there's quite a lot of information in the book to go through. But essentially, um, get to know the other person's shape and become familiar with it because there's a lot of information in there that's going to really help you, I think. Uh, things can seem easy until something goes wrong and then yeah. all of a sudden it's complicated. Yeah. Hey, uh, you could do the shapes test in the group that you're a part of and uh, you could get a hold of the book and that can give you an idea of uh, a deeper insight into those shapes. You're also, as an organisation, uh, you're providing some training for churches to yes. mobilise young people. Uh, how can that happen? What, what what happens if someone makes a contact with you today, Paul? So um, many churches are, are coming to us right now. They, they've gone through the pandemic. The church has been affected by the pandemic. A lot of leaders, I mean, a huge amount of leaders are asking the question, are we truly making disciples? And how do we make disciples who make disciples? Uh, for me, there are three steps to sparking a movement like that. The first is we need our new concept, but then we need new tools 
So if we're going to move from what we say on pays is one to many, where you have one leader who's just teaching and leading other people from one to many to many to many, where a leader is teaching, but a leader is empowering all those people to lead each other and disciple each other, then we need new tools for that. And that's one of the things that we're providing as pays. So we provide tools to help um, disciple anyone in anything, to help study uh, anything with anyone and to reach anyone anywhere, a very practical templates that can be used in many different situations. And then we can also provide consultation. So if churches, I'm, I'm doing this right now, churches are grabbing hold of those tools, beginning to implement them into the church uh, to, to create a more kingdom-centric church where people realize they're being recruited, not simply being rescued, then we can come alongside that church and bring practical consultation as well, helping them implement those different tools. And I might say uh, you're also looking out for a national director for PAYS in Australia. Uh, for those who might be interested in connecting and finding out about that, uh, let's give those websites afresh so that you can connect today with Paul Clayton Gibbs. Uh, first of all was the PAYS movement, P-A-I-S movement.com. And the other website we mentioned was theshapestest.com, and it is free to do that shapes test. You'll find out whether you are a circle or a star or a square or a triangle, and you might want to work out uh, just how the team you're working with can work so much better together to be able to supercharge the sorts of things you're involved in. So paysmovement.com to connect with Paul Clayton Gibbs. And you can do the shapes test at theshapestest.com. A bunch of other books you've written as well. Uh, Paul, just to mention some of these, if I get the pronunciations right. So uh, uh, some other ones. You've written a book called Shalom, How to Reach Anyone Anywhere. Talmidim, uh, How to Disciple Anyone in Anything. Uh, Haverim, How to Study Anything with Anyone. Kingdom Patterns, Discovering God's Direction, Kingdom Pioneering, Fulfilling God's Calling, and Kingdom Principles, Developing Godly Character. A lot of books in all of that. And for listeners, you might want to Google uh, those books. You'll be able to find those at online booksellers. Uh, Lots of books to choose from. PaysMovement.com and TheShapesTest.com. Paul Clayton Gibbs, thanks so much for joining us and sharing your thoughts and heart with our listeners today on 2020. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.